Hello, y'all. This is CJ, and thanks for tuning in to Theater Theater Pod, the theater podcast for theater people made by three theater dweebs from the Los Angeles area. Scott Bailey and I would like to welcome you to part three of our discussion of turning plays into movies. What the hell, CJ? I thought y'all covered playwrights every episode. Well, friends, for every sixth episode, we are going to do a little something special, and you are witnessing it. Obviously, there are many plays that have been made for the silver screen, and we promise to return to this topic. Now, there's rules. No musicals, no Shakespeare, no TV series. Now, part one was Peter Schaffer's Amadeus and August Wilson's Fences. Part two was John Patrick Shanley's Doubt and Little Known Everybody Comes to Rick's, which was eventually Casablanca. What will this week be? time to find out. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to our amazing songwriters, Pamela and Ryan. Like, subscribe, comment, follow us on shit. And now, enjoy Turning Plays into Movies, Part 3. The theater, the theater. Theater, theater. Um, so next up we have, uh, something that was very new to me, something I had not ever introduced myself to, uh, to before, except for this play only, which was Blythe Spirit. (laughs) This was delightful. This is so fun. I've got so many, I've got so many crazy stories about this. I can't wait because I, this, I'm not a, I know nothing about Noel Coward. That's just, it's like one of, it's another blind spot for me where I'm just mm-hmm. like, I don't know enough. I've always kind of avoided it because I'm like, ugh, pretentious, but it's not. Um, it's not and pretentious. It's not at all. Um, and it's I maybe, known there's that some from... of it that's maybe tired. And right. when we do our Noel Coward well, and, episodes. Right. And the actor's nightmare also put in my mind that it was pretentious <laughs> because the actor's nightmare by Durang is very much about like, oh, yeah. look, you're in this pretentious play, deal with it. And it's not that. It's it, He's pointing at it just as much as Durang was. So that was exciting for me. But I saw this play and I didn't even realize it till I was reading it. And I was like, oh, I saw this. I saw this with Angela Lansbury. Shit, Christ! Really? Well, did yeah. she play? Um, who do you think? She... Madame Arcadi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it they was. Just did it recently. It was the ish, first right? show I saw when I moved to Los Angeles. Uh huh. No way. And I remember hearing about it. Incredible! It was at CTG uh, Center Theater Group. Shout out! And it was absolutely incredible. It's um. It's hilarious. She did it on Broadway. She did it on the West End. She's, I think she got maybe a revival Tony for it or something. I don't know. But Angela Lansbury is my, uh, I stan her forever. She is my uh, Jesus. She is my. Uh, Mine's B. Arthur. B. Arthur is right there <laughs> We've with. We've had this yeah, discussion. Yeah, B. Arthur is together. right there with her. Yeah, she. those two are sort of my, like, I, I, I love B. Arthur, but Angela Lansbury uh, has that um, place in my heart where I just, I grew up watching Murder, She Wrote, but also I grew up watching Bedknobs and Broomsticks on Luke. I love Bedknobs like, and Broomsticks. My I like it so much better than Mary Poppins. Movie. Yeah, me How too. How dare you, the both I know, of you. I know, I know, I know. I, I love I Mary Poppins, Mary Poppins. I, I do too. I, Mary but Poppins. I think Bedknobs and Broomsticks yep. is just a little bit Agreed. weirder and a little bit fucking crazy. I agree, and I think the music's better. I, I just, I love... Uh, yeah. And it's the same composers. It's 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 literally it was made like a year before I think um, 
Mary Poppins no, it and was, it doesn't get may... released until like four years later. No, that's no. incorrect, if okay. I may. Yeah. They tried to get the rights to do a sequel to Mary Poppins. Oh. Remember, because there's that whole movie and the whole story about all the rights and all that shit. Right. And so With they Travis, couldn't yeah. get it. So they literally, they had already started working on music and all that. And that's when they optioned the rights for bed knobs and broomsticks and did bed knobs and broomsticks. Gotcha. Basically the sequel to Mary Poppins. Hello. No one is available to take your call. Please leave a message after the tone. Hey, Scott, it's Bailey. Uh, no need to call me back, but I just wanted to let you know. I was listening back to the podcast uh, before we posted and noticed a little discrepancy about the bed knobs and broomsticks thing. It's not a deal. Not too worried about it. I just wanted to read you this from the PED. Yes, it's Wikipedia. We have learned that this has been wrong multiple times, even on this episode. But I just wanted to say that during the early 1960s, bed knobs and broomsticks entered development when the negotiations for the film rights to Mary Poppins in 1964 were placed on hold. When the rights were acquired, the film was shelved repeatedly due to the similarities with Mary Poppins until it was revived in 1969. So I was like, kind of right? Kind of. They didn't make anything before Mary Poppins, but you were right. I was just also kind of right. Oh, I love you, buddy. Okay, bye. But it's so much darker and weirder and like... So much just, darker and weirder. And, and like, also like, really iconic in my brain as just like, Disney. Like, and, oh, yeah. And, like Disney was dark and I think that's what I liked about it as a kid. I really liked their weird live act. I loved Watcher in the Woods. I loved, you know, just like the weirdest Escape fucking... from Witch Mountain. Escape from Witch Mountain is is probably in my top 5 nostalgia movies that I will just put on <laughs> just to watch because it's just in return from Witch Mountain also is really good. It's um, got one of the uh, housewives of Beverly Beverly Hills. Kim Richards. Right? That's right. Yeah. She's the she's the Oh, uh, I sister. know that woman. Yeah. Kim Richards in Meatballs 2 was a little bit of a <laughs> sexual awakening for, for Scott. Tracks. Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, watch I don't know how we got from Blake. I don't know how we got from Noel Coward to Meatballs 2. <laughs> <laughs> that's, no, that's a line I can follow. I got it. I got it, though. They're similar. Uh, uh, I want to watch Beverly Hills Housewives with you and ruin your boner. Oh. Aww. Is she crazy she on that show? Like, is she nutso? She's, well, yeah, I mean, she, crazy, he's had some hard times with addiction. Is the yeah. yeah, I mean, she, I mean, because she was from a little, little kid. She was on a show. Right. Oh, man, I'm dating myself called Nanny and the Professor. I know. Yes. Oh. And Nanny and the Professor is kind of a ripoff of Mary Poppins set in the modern day. And it was a it was a, a widower professor with three kids and she was the youngest. Her name was Prudence because they were inspired by the Beatles. Dear the character's Prudence. Name. Dear Prudence. And and then they have a magical a magical nanny shows up and she's British and she's Nanny McPhee. <laughs> no, but she the actress who played her was was the sister of another like kid star and anyway long long story this is great <laughs> content um so i just kidding um Jesus. i think um something interesting about this one uh blythe spirit is apparently he wrote it in five days which you know as a writer there's that part of me that's like i could write anything in five days if i had nothing else to do and just like sat down and did it but the fact that you can get this kind of of uh 
silliness out of it is is, is, is impressive. And I feel like it's turn of the century restoration a little bit. <laughs> sure. Like you know, it's just upper middle class like uh, or upper class like British people. I don't know. I love all this shit. That no, you can, wild. You, I love it. Well, you can see he's got a direct influence of 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 classic French farce filtered through Oscar Wilde, and then right. he's the next one in line. Yeah. And does any uh, trivia, trivia, Blythe Spirit trivia, ready? Okay. All right. What, do you know from whence he drew the title Blythe Spirit? Mm. I don't. I feel like I did years ago, but I don't know that answer. Now. No, don't know. It is from Shelley's poem to a skylark. Uh, and the line specifically that he took the title from is, Hail to thee, blithe spirit, bird thou never wert. Mm. Okay. Nope, was... I never do that answer. <laughs> <laughs> 1941, it opened on the West End. Charles uh, Ran for almost 2,000 performances. Oh, yeah. shit. And then, and then went on to Broadway and did like, uh, almost a thousand performances, but but most the most interesting thing, and I had totally forgotten about this, or at least, or maybe I wasn't even aware that David Lean had directed this, right? And would go on to become, well, direct arguably some you know two or three of the best movies ever made. But Absolutely. he was also very much for a period of time was very much kind of the John Ford of of British cinema. He was considered very distinctly a British filmmaker, a British director. Right. Man, Rex Reed was he so young. So Rex Harrison? Young. Rex Harrison, I'm sorry, not Rex yeah, Reed. He... Yeah, it's like theater school, Rex Harrison. You forget how tall he was. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Rex Harrison's like, that's a good 6'2 right there. Yeah, he was a tall he's, he and he's good in it, but I would argue that he's pretty much the same and everything I know. Yeah. About, oh, that's right? what, yeah. He, yeah, he was I, a, I saw, a rock on which you could build everything. Yeah. I mean, as a kid, obviously, I knew him really well as Dr. Doolittle. Sure. And then, oh, see, and then I knew him in My Fair Lady. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Of course. My Fair Lady, I, you know, was on loop in my house. My parents really loved that movie. And so I knew him from that. But Dr. Doolittle was one I would rent a lot mm-hmm. and, and really love the original Dr. Doolittle, not the Eddie Murphy's, uh, which are also uh, or the fantastic. Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> no, we're not going to talk about the <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. Oh, I think Bob. that has like 6%. You know what, though? Tomatoes. Like, he could take that hit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he just, he just made what, what movie just did made you ten of the best movie, the biggest movies ever made. Yeah, I think the last movie he made was it's Endgame, like which you get a like billion a billion dollars for. Yeah, I would yeah. drop everything for you, Robert Downey Jr. Call me. Can I just say one of my favorite parts of the Blythe Spirit film was Kay Hammond. Her whole like her like whole British uh, and she kind of she Kay kind of the... sounded like she was she she's Elvira. Elvira. She Elvira, kind right. of sounded like she was. Kind of drunk. And she's time. the original Broadway. I, oh my God, she was so good. And I she, want to take her whole vocal pattern and steal it. She's great. Oh. And the best part about like, it, it's also this really cool filming technique because it's the early Technicolor. Like speaking of like colorization and stuff like that, right. you know, th- this was early Technicolor. So it looks colorized, even though it's not. But the ghosts, uh, her specifically, uh, she's green the whole time right and yes and they put her in like really intense green it kind of works like she looked great yeah i thought it was great and they put like really deep red lipstick on her so it's kind of out there and and weird but then they put these red nail polish too yeah and then they put these really specific pools and streams of light on her and i just think that whole the way they film her the way that she carries herself the whole time she kind of the breakout of this movie because 
honestly, Rex Harrison and and um, Faye Compton are a little boring. They're, yeah, and they're supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, it's really it's about margaret rutherford can we talk about margaret rutherford Gosh, she's as, perfect as arcadi like that because it's it's so well balanced she's like so i think funny. in this day and age like somebody would just really jerk off all over it and it's not it's utterly sincere she understands her powers and she understands where yep. she is in the world and 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 she just bowls everybody over but just her costumes and her, her gestures were just oh and i just uh, Lansbury. Like Road. I want you to play that in in twenty five years, CJ. CJ, yeah, Ooh. for sure, for sure. Yeah, oh, we yeah. did it at Webster my senior year, and I was called back for Madame Arcadi, but I was going through a cycle in college where no one would fucking cast me in anything. Oh, so that's bullshit. Well, you get cast all the goddamn time now because you're a fucking shining star. And I work for free mostly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, LA theater. Um, but. Yeah, it's uh, what were, what were we just talking about? Because I had a thought. It's gone. Uh, Arc- uh, we were, um, Arcadi. Madame Arcadi. Oh, 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 Lansbury. Lansbury in the production. Um, she did put it on a little more, obviously, because it was stage. Um, and mm-hmm. it was a big uh, um space. But they played it quite differently, and um, that was really exciting to see Arcadi be. Rutherford's a little more like mole-ish, right? She's a little more like, yeah. it's all right in the face. And it's, you know, she tightens her face mm-hmm. a lot and she's kind of a little mole and she's kind of, th- and everything's right here, right in front of her face. She Lansbury played understated. it a little more like, yeah, exactly. Lansbury played it a little bit more like, oh, I just, I don't, I don't really care about my surroundings. And it worked. Like right. where she's just so confident that it doesn't like, it doesn't matter what is going. She's just like, yes, great, cool. And like, in it, but bigger. And it really worked. I loved it. I don't know. I think. Yeah, I thought she was great. Ways. Yeah, everyone. I I enjoyed it. It was a fun it, little it, film to sit down a, and watch. It had been so long since I watched it. I was, I'm kind of. I just finished uh, recently finished reading a book about Lawrence of Arabia, which David mm, Lean yeah. would direct in about 20 years after after right. this. So lean. I'm watching kind of how he, um how he's framing things and all that. And I'm like, Oh, you can see these, just these little moments where he's, he's kind of messing around just a little bit. And then he'll, he's going to, he's about to go way the fuck off course, but, or on course, I guess, but it's just a delight. And shit. And you're like, Whoa. Okay. So can I tell you guys real quick? And then we should probably move on uh, to our, our final show. Um, So my favorite stage production of Blythe Spirit that I ever saw was at my alma mater high school, Niceville High School in Niceville, Florida. Um, And I went back like, I was two or three years after I graduated and I had a friend and he was like, I'm doing Blythe Spirit, you should come see it. And I'm like, oh! (laughs) I was like, okay. And so I went and it was directed, there was a brand new drama teacher there, uh, you know, a young woman full of energy and, and it was delightful. Like I had a, one of the best, most memorable theater oh. nights I'd ever had, you know, because you're surprised, nice. you know, where, where the kids had all yeah. just, they'd all worked their asses off. They're all playing people that are 20 years older than, than they should be. Yes. And, and they were, but like the, the timing was great. The speed, like the whole goddamn thing was probably 85 minutes total. Like just, yeah. it clipped right. along yeah. and these kids just 
like they just all just stepped up to the plate and did their thing. The movie um, does go a little slower than I think the play would. Yeah, right? like, I, I think the was, play needs to clip. So that's great. I, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's worth say, maybe not worth saying here that the ending is different mm. from the play to the yes, movie. Yes, yes. Yeah, true. he kind of snake like. Well, he does it in private lives in a couple. Yeah, he does it a couple times where the dude at the end just kind of gets to get the fuck out and right. just escapes and like splits. And so, yeah, I do like that he kind of has his, it becomes, the sequel is no exit. Like it's him in purgatory with yeah. these two yeah. women. And yeah. it's great. It's and he Sartre deserves play. it. And, you know, and um, I would be interested to, to see hear somebody's opinion who has no notion of, Noel Coward. Or, or just theater and and film right. in general, like you know, just like a night at the theater, like for like a, just a what would somebody night. think yeah. if they watched this for the first time? And like, because right. it I agree. it is funny. It's not, and there's nothing weirdly esoteric about it in any way. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah. It's I think it's very of its time for sure. I think too. Well, well and, uh, and and of its yeah. and of its station, right? Like right. it's right. not. Right. You know, that's an upper middle class that none of the three of us will ever the trope, fully understand. The trope has also kind of been turned into like rom-com territory, right? Sure. Where it's right. like, you know, the, you know, uh, Mark Ruffalo and Reese Witherspoon star in Dead Mikey or whatever. You know, like where <laughs> oh, it's that like, sounds awful. That's, that's actually that, that's a real. I like movie, those actors, but it's called something saying. else. Um, uh, I forget what it's called, but it's like we've tapped into that kind of joke about a million sure, times. Sure. Uh, the last thing about this, then we can take a little break, is. Uh, that uh, it does win one single Oscar, mm-hmm. and that was special best special effects. That's right. Yeah, and I think it deserves it. When she it. runs, um, when uh, uh, Ruth runs up the stairs and yeah. through her, and then she kind of goes, she kind of absorbs it, and then fixes her hair. Yeah. Elvira does. Yeah, I'm like, holy shit! How the fuck did they do that? Like, it's really good in the fucking forties. I think the last tiny thing we need to say about this is in 2021 they're releasing it's a it's a TV series. And no, it Judy is Dent- it is a movie. I I was I was wrong about that. I, and Judy Dench is playing Madame Arcadi, which that alone is enough for me to want to watch it. I agree. And, and is that part Fisher? of me that kinda doesn't care that they're made like it's sort of like they could it's all white people again. And I know it's, right. maybe it's because of the conversation that we're all having right now, but I'm sort of just like, yeah. do we need another movie that's like 20 white people? doing the same shit over again like i don't know i just right. love judy dance She's i love great. me some dan stevens like i think he's a dan stevens fucking really underrated actor he's so he's the good. beast uh he's he's Legion got this arc Legion. on um high maintenance that is one of my favorite arcs oh uh, i have not seen it where yet. he comes out as someone who cross-dresses a really interesting cool arc and he starts showing up in more and more episodes as the seasons go on everyone should watch high maintenance that's all i have to say y'all this so this is this has been our sort of non-academic fun drinking episode (laughs) so hammered like so my tradition is and for our audience i don't think we said this we normally say it in every one but we're recording remotely We're, we're staying in quarantine and social distancing and so we've been zooming in this. So my tradition has been after we finish a recording session, uh, my roommate and I have gone to just grab some fast food or something like that. And uh, tonight I will not be able to do that. <laughs> Legally, I should not be operating a vehicle <laughs> after, after 
after this. Like, not even like, oh, I could make it to Jack in the Box. Like, I couldn't make it to Jack in the Box. What kind of whiskey are you drinking there, Scott? Uh, tonight, I'm, 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 I'm not doing fancy. I'm doing straight up honest. I'm doing Evan Williams. Evan. I figured. <laughs> Coke Zero and Evan Williams. Evan Williams. <laughs> which is, to be fair, which is a drink that CJ really made me adopt. Not oh. made me. I don't want to say it was like that. Wait. CJ is a you're a Coke Zero fan. Yes. And I've been you know, for a while now. Cut just trying... me and I bleed it. <laughs> and it's and so now I've I've taken I've taken to Coke Zero and I I hate Diet Coke, but Coke Zero is okay. Sprite I love Zero you more is than also anything, okay. But I do just have to say this out loud that it is a it is a true fact that they are the exact same thing with different labels. What Coke no, Zero? No, no, yes. no, no. Coke Zero no. doesn't have aspartame. Listen, Diet Coke's got listen, aspartame. Listen, you're gonna have to show me show me your data. Give me some information. Because here's the thing. Because here's the thing. It was it was uh, purely a marketing thing for men. They were like, men aren't drinking Diet Coke. How do we get them to do it? Nope. But still get them to you know drink something without the calories and so they're like okay let's put this other and i have i like you guys i mean i've never sat with both in front of me and tasted taste tested them but people always say no that's not true the taste is different but if you look i mean i don't know google it it's i am safe. i am volunteering the next time that we can be in person yeah blind taste test you can film it i'm writing I'm, this down no we're putting it yes, on the pod i'm writing if, this down if you're if i am wrong i will eat crow on video I've I will... already found out that I can't tell the different tastes of the different flavors of Skittles blindly, I will... which makes me upset. Cook the I can't crow even think you. of the last time that I physically saw you, Bailey. I've seen CJ it's physically a couple times. Months. I think it was... we're gonna find a time to find to see each other. Social distance. All... Dude, it's literally in my calendar. It was March twenty first. Oh my god, guys, we're 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 in July. I know, oh. I know. <laughs> anyway, well, we should, everything. You know, do, well, Gavin Newsom shut down everything again today. Everything so. shut down, so we're still in Zoom form. I think was the point of this entire uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, digression. But uh, and and have... drunk and we're drunk and drunks. Mm -hmm. We're we're drunk I, as butt. Listen, drunk as butt. I'm pretty sober tonight. If mouths and butts <laughs> are the same thing, are we? Drunk They're not. As mouth the mouths and, and butts. As butt? can be the same thing no, wait you're going wait, wait 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 stop 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 i need you to both stop because last episode <laughs> we made it very clear that mouths and butts are the same thing so if you you're going against clear, that no 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 you agreed with me i need you to go back <laughs> no, and i did not <sighs> i was saying that they i was Bullshit. saying that mouths, mouths and butts and are butts in are fact gross. No, where does where do vaginas Hi, fit in all this though? I Those feel are like totally they're, they're just like they're better than both. Vaginas. What are you they're talking about? They're better than both. That's true. They're on a totally Oof. different plane. Yeah, it's, it is a totally totally. That's like spiritual plane. level shit. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, mouths and butts are just anuses and holes for food. It there's when we're formed. <laughs> It's an evolutionary fact that when we're formed, the first things that form are the mouth and the butt, and they are the exact same thing until at some point our cells decide which one is which. I just need to say that out loud and everybody to go Google it. Also, this Johnny Walker Red Label is kicking in hard. So we need to finish this last fucking play. The last play. The last play. The last play that, that was adapted into Pluvie. a movie. Last Pluvie. And we the all last watched Pluvie. it together. 
<laughs> the last Pluvi that we live tweeted together that I love so much. And we're going to get into this whole thing. And I happen to also know that it is the favorite movie. Uh, oh, excuse me. Not the favorite movie. In the top three favorite movies. I know it's under Waiting for Guffman. Uh, of our amazing uh, songwriter, Pamela Everhart. <gasps> and the song uh, is so awesome. Yeah. yeah, and the song is incredible. We haven't talked about it yet, but we decided to open our show with it because it's just perfectly explaining what we're doing, and it has all the nods to Noises Off, which is our final play of the night. Peter Bogdanovich's Noises Off uh, by... Uh, Michael Frayn, the uh, playwright. I should have said the playwright first and not the director. (laughs) Michael Frayn's Noises Off, uh, directed by Bogdanovich, um, which uh, is one of my favorite films, although it was a huge box office disaster. It was less than one million. Oh, yeah. Nobody fucking saw it. Less than a million. Uh, probably cost a couple million to make uh, just to cast those people what? alone. And yeah, I know. Made less than a million dollars, and the reviews are pretty mixed, but they're pretty rough. Um, and but but the people who love it love it, and the people who get it love it. And I think it's it's one of those things where maybe I I do wonder where it's like, is it a theater kid thing? Do theater I think, people love I think, it? I think it might be. I think yeah. it might be because I I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it when it came out on video. Right, mm-hmm. and a buddy of mine was like, "Oh, we should watch it." And I, you know, I knew noises off, but I, I don't think I, I hadn't seen a play version of it or right. production of it yet. And uh, the the original production, um, because Frayne is British, uh, was all <gasps> British. <gasps> Britain um, was uh, uh, all British actors playing British actors, and something I actually think is better about the movie is that it's it's American actors trying, trying to, play to be British. British. It so like good. doubles how hilarious I think everything oh, is. I think God. I mentioned Carol Burnett had a Dick Van Dyke Cockney in that. Oh my God. She, and she... You said like, Dick and Cock too close together and I didn't hear really what Dick you were Dick Cock. Dick Cock. Dick, Cock. Dick Van Dyke Hi, Cockney. Mom. You're right. First yeah. of all, like whenever you have a cast like that that has a lot of really fun really great performers character actors yeah character oh actors God, and then you're the one carol burnett who yeah. rocks it out but saves it like right. she doesn't it's not till that third act yes. where she just is like i'm gonna drop this into fifth gear motherfuckers yeah Watch she really this. does too and you're yeah. just like holy jesus master class this is how you do comedy this is how you do physical comedy and like she's Everybody in it's so good though. Christopher Reeve is insanely funny. Uh, Real quick, um, uh, uh, originally the role great. of the of um, the maid of Carol Burnett. That role was originally offered to Audrey Hepburn. <gasps> really? In the movie. In the movie. The movie. Eh. Yeah. Uh, eh. I think that she wouldn't. She would have been, been great. So she would have been weird. great, but it would have been something entirely different. It, yeah, it wouldn't have been as farcical, in my opinion. I yeah. think she would have been funny, but not as farcical. Carol is is pure farce, right? Yeah. She uh-huh. lives for that. Also, another uh, interesting one. I uh, I know CJ, you brought up Mary Lou Henner. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched every actually, episode of Taxi. That's right. Yeah, I love Taxi. Um, I think interestingly enough, she. Um, was like I think a few weeks before filming was brought in. It, it was originally Annie wow. Potts. Whoa! Annie Potts was uh, meant to uh, was um, in a car accident and oh. had to be replaced. Yeah, isn't that crazy? 
Um, really interesting. Uh, but the cast in general, uh, Ritter, um, Reeves, a lot John of Ritter, uh, John That's Ritter, who I think, I think who got, who got, um, pigeonholed into being a known as a sitcom actor because of three's sure. company sure but who was sincerely yeah it, it yeah, and it doesn't strange. hold up very well at all although he does his moments still hold up he's funny yeah, yeah nothing against him i know no 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 I, or any of them like actor, yeah. you know uh um all uh, all of the actors and, and performance on that show were it great. Just it just, marcus it was from a, indiana jones yeah 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 yes. it's all very good but it's moving uh, on yeah but um but he's fantastic. Uh, Mary Lou Henner, Michael Caine, who's just so wonderfully amazing. Y'all told it. me I had to tell my Michael Caine story. Oh, yes. Oh, uh, Michael Caine. Tell it. When oh, I was Caine. a senior in college, Michael Caine came to Webster and did a Shakespeare masterclass. And it was and just said, like on a. CJ, <laughs> CJ, I need you to hear me. Right. He didn't say anything to me. He right. said it was on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon down in the black box. And I was one of the people that I signed up to do a monologue. And I can't, it was either from measure for measure or all's well that ends well. And all I did was went up and he just basically was like, yes, thank you. Like, I think I could have, I mean, I was, I probably did suck, but, but I did do a Shakespeare monologue for Michael Caine when I was like 20 years old. That's crazy. Yeah. Do you remember what the monologue was? Like I said, I, I, it was either from Measure for Measure or All's Well That Ends Well. I can't remember which one. It was CJ, one that was actually appropriate for my CJ age. Merriman, every great magic trick consists of three parts. <laughs> I wish. First part I wish gone. he'd spent that time with me. <laughs> I wish he'd spent that time with me. I love McKay. Uh, here is the thing: like every, almost every single person in it. Uh, we brought up Julie Haggerty uh, when we talked about Beyond Therapy, uh, which is a terrible film. Uh, another play made into a film, uh, but she's brilliant as Poppy, uh, who has maybe what like like fifty lines compared to everybody else's two hundred. But she's lines, omnipresent. But she's, she's so omnipresent, good. and I, I, I love that role. I think it's. I love that play i think the play is so fun to watch when i saw it um maybe maybe like seven eight years ago um they, the people who did it had a turntable and it which i think is how you have to do Ooh. it right and, and it and it it uh, the first act was normal and it was the set and it was very funny and then during intermission we watched the turntable spin and then it like really slowly so it was like the whole intermission and then at the end it was there and it was backstage so the whole thing was backstage and i was like that's super cool i think that's how you have to do it though right there's really not any other way yeah you can't like striking you can't, the set you can't half-ass it i think that that's part of the not problem with the play but it's just such a standard in community theater and blah 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 right to to do it because it's funny and it's entertaining and you know but you can't half-ass it. Like the production value has to be as good as, as all the performances or else it, it doesn't quite work. Um, yeah. In, in my humble opinion. Um, I was glad to see the film version first because then when I went and read the script, I'm like, God damn, there's no way. There's I, I just have so much admiration for anyone that tries to tackle it in the first place. That second. Yeah, the big, script is, the script is just, is just challenging to... <laughs> to deal with because I never would have it's been over able 200 to fucking pages. It's yeah, it's pages. long. Yeah, it's a big one, and it's dense in a way that it needs to be seen, 
right? It's it, absolutely it, it, where you, you can get lost in the comic, like where you're you're reading it and you kind of you're like, I don't. What are they talking about? But when it's watched and you realize that sometimes it's multiple conversations happening at once. Sometimes it's it's just they're referencing something in the play and we're not really supposed to know what they're talking about, right? That shit's right. fucking hilarious. One of my favorite parts um, of the movie uh, is how the entirety of the second act is shot at my humble abode, the Pasadena Playhouse. Yeah. Uh, everybody should go watch this movie. And while you're watching the second act, which is the part where they're um, all backstage, I could like it was the weirdest thing ever. As like a little boy from Kansas, all of a sudden <laughs> watching a movie and being able to tell you exactly where every single moment was shot. I was like, I was like, and that's behind the place where uh, the stage manager sits, and that's over there where I sometimes um, leave the director's chairs, and over there is where I slip and fell on that puddle one time, and the, you know, so it was like, it, and there's that... a, there's a section of it that's in the shop, right? Right. Like yes. my my uh... like because my knowledge of Pasadena is doing doing a show there and having I had to do a quick quick roundabout that had to, where I cut through the shop. Right. From one side to the other and then then had to go up from there. And anytime they're backstage, it's actually the shop because the shop of the playhouse is huge. And the, the playing space of the playhouse actually isn't big. They have a huge proscenium. And then there's like some some normal like regional theater style wings. But they're the but you could theoretically have like a huge banquet party in our um shop it's fucking yeah amazing. Well, in yeah. case anyone didn't know i'm the uh, operations manager of the playhouse i'm kind of a huge deal uh now you know well I, and then to bring this full circle podcast wise the end of act one in the film and then also act three the final performance was right. in a theater that i worked in for That's five right. or six years when i first moved out here the wadsworth which yep. is the 1400 seat house on the va campus in the armpit of the 405 and the Wilshire exit. That's right. Crazy, crazy wow. stuff. I love it. It's also one of those movies where they they did a good job of the adaptation because it's actually, besides like you just uh, said, Siege, the beginning and the end are the only differences. In fact, there were moments where I would go back and check the script because I had read it before watching it again. And I was like, wait, oh, that's different. And I'd go look and I was like, no, that's exactly the same. They just delivered it in a way that caught me off guard or whatever. Ooh, it's okay. almost perfectly the script on film, which is dope. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, besides the opening just... and the end, the end is different. Yeah. But I love the justification given by Bogdanovich for the end. Um, can I read you a quick quote? Yeah, by oh, please. Frame? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So this is, uh, Michael Frayn says, he liked the film. Okay, this is the playwright. I liked the film, but I couldn't see for the life of me beforehand how such an inherently theatrical confection could be made into a, a, a work of cinema, which I agree, right? I think I, you wonder sort of like, if you if you were introduced to the play first, how could this translate to film? It's so theater-based. But then he goes on to say, but I think Bogdanovich has truly uh, pulled it off. However, when the okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna not read the quote because it's it's weirdly uh, phrased. But basically, what he's saying is like, the ending of the play is that it it was all crap, right? That mm -hmm. like the play was always crap, and by the end of it, it's 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 not a success and it's trash. At the end of the movie, there's that funny moment where it's like they think that the ridiculousness of how bad the third act was is 
actually brilliant and it uh-huh. ends up being a success that goes on right and mm-hmm. and frain was very like i don't like that that's not the ending i wanted but bogdanovich's um argument was well the play gets a standing ovation because at the end of that you're like wow they they tackled that insane third act so noise is off the play is a success whereas nothing nothing on which is the play within the play is mm-hmm. not a success right, right, but right. he wanted he was like how do i get that feeling of the end of the play into the end of the movie right because at the end of the play you're you're i would stand if it's done well i would stand up and be like wow you fucking pulled that off that huge door farce right that uh-huh. just like is back and forth and constantly crazy and like making all these references and and super fast you get what I'm saying, right? Yes. Am I, yeah, yeah, I feel yeah. like I'm like, no, just no, saying it, it makes over per- it makes perfect sense because yeah, you know, the, because, the, the, it, because the, it ends on a high, right. The play so the movie then note, gets the its own the, yeah. standing ovation. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it, you know, it's just pulling a producer's thing. You know, it's this should, this should springtime for Hitler should not be a success, but Oh right. shit. Oh my right. God. Oh God. Exactly. <laughs> you know, he turns it into oh, a springtime for, oh, for him. Right. Oh, oh crap. crap. <laughs> uh, did you guys know that I played, um, uh, the lead in, I'm forgetting his name all of a fucking son, um, in, uh, the producers, uh, in Reno in a casino for two months, what? eight shows a week. What? I think I knew yeah. that. Yeah. I did the full Monty there for two months. And then on the final day of performances, I got a call from the director and he said, Hey man, our next show that goes into the casino is the producers. And we just lost our Bialystok. That's his name. So we just lost him. He was the 60 year old guy and and he, he can't do it um, for horrible reasons. Actually, I'm going to say it. We can cut this out if we want to, because we've already talked about pedophilia. It turned out he was a convicted pedophile and could not leave the state of California and was still planning on going on this tour and this casino thing. And so they called me the last day and they said, there's only three days of tech. Can you learn the entire part of Bialystok? And I said, no. I I, I said, absolutely not. That's one of the hardest roles in musical theater ever. And he was like, we'll, we'll keep your nudity premium from full Monty and, and add another hundred dollars onto your weekly pay. And I said, okay. <laughs> so I got way like, to negotiate. I know. So I got tons of money, and I did Bialystok for two whole months. I'm way too young for that role. Like forty years wow, too young. Yeah, I'm like way and too I, young. Yeah, and the guy playing um, Bloom was like six years older than me, and like it was the weirdest thing ever. But it totally worked, and people liked it. I think I don't know. It was Reno, so you, you can play. Around, you can always like, play around with that. You can play. Yeah. Around. But uh, it was good times. Uh, I don't know how I got there. We were talking about springtime for fucking Hitler. Is there anything else about Noises Off you guys want to talk about? Is there anything? Because I mean, no, it's it's a we blast. Could go all day. And, you know, yeah. I would I would um, I would love to direct Noises Off. I, w- yeah. I would love to play anything in it. I'd have a good time. But I you'd would be a really... good Lloyd. Ah, yeah, I'd like I'd like to play Lloyd. Um, I would want to play the Ritter character. I always forget his name, but he to me is like the ultimate theater person he like never finishes a sentence and he's always kind of he's like you get it right yeah okay cool he's very (laughs) i feel like i'm the person who like never finishes a thought and like is like a little pretentious um a lot of pretentious uh what else anything about noises off you guys else want to say because i want to move on there's a couple other things i wanted to talk about before we finished up no 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 noises off it's great 
This is what I want to do then, okay? So there's obviously hundreds and hundreds of uh, these these plays and the movies things. I want to hear one or two of y'all's that you guys, like, just shout them out. We can talk all we want about them, whatever we want to do. Um, a couple others that you just love that are plays that were made into movies. I want to hear about them. I have three. Okay. Yeah. I have three, Third and I'll, I'll mention them real quick. Okay. Sleuth. Yeah. Which Schaffer I, as well. Oh, no, that's Anthony Schaffer. Sorry. It's a different Schaffer, yeah. Um, the original film version is Lawrence Olivier and Michael Caine. Right. And then Kenneth Branagh redid it with Michael Caine in the Olivier role and Jude Law in the role that Michael Caine. But what's great about it is it, it works really well as a film and as a play for the same reasons. It's two actors, but there's three characters and I don't want to reveal oh. anything if you don't, if you've never seen it. And I basically don't. it's, it's a wealthy dude who invites a young uh, hip hairdresser whom he knows is having an affair with his wife to visit his country estate. And it's to mm. fuck with him. And he set up this trap, but it's fucking insane how it builds. Uh, so that's my first one. If you have, Love if it. you've never read Sleuth or sl seen the original movie, see it. The Brown yeah, Alpha, the, the remake is okay. Um, You'd say the Olivier is better? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. Olivier cool, and cool, Michael cool. Caine, or yeah, yeah. All right. Um, next. next up is Arsenic and Old Lace. Yeah. Which I got to do. I got to do the play Classic. on the Broadway touring set. So this huge epic cool. stare, like it was like no, the noises offset. Just huge, you know, window seats with trap doors so you could get out and run around and that's fucking radical and it's it, and it and the and carrie grant's so great in it and the the original women in the the original film is are fucking great so it's great um that's a good one. And, and then finally and this is kind of a eh, it, it kind of you can kind of squeeze it in there because technically speaking it was um based on a play um and that's one flew over the cuckoo's nest yeah, ah. and um, I played Billy Joe Bibbit years ago. Did you? Uh huh. Oh, oh that'd I was be like great. Um, but also a Milos Forman film, um, and it's that right. film holds up extraordinarily yeah. well. It's one it's of the. Pretty I perfect. mean, it's Nicholson's. But well, maybe Nicholson's best work. In his um, top top three for sure but for in his top three for sure but then you got you've got you know um young danny devito yeah. you've got christopher young lloyd. christopher lloyd um yep. and just everybody in it is extraordinary and worm tongue worm tongue is in it that's um, billy joe yeah <laughs> and um and he's oh it's a fantastic um yep. although technically you it's it's more based on the novel milos true milos got the rights to the play and then went back to the novel and was like right there's more here and if you've never read the, the novel great, the play is great and yeah uh who was it that just did the the immersive that was production great uh, here in that la was, um, um it fuck, was um fuck, fuck, fuck. shit uh was it circle x was it circle x? no it no, was no, no, circle no, no. x it was amazing um and it was uh, it was an immersive production we'll get the info and we'll post it i swear we to will. god we will. my friend al made the uh the the drinks that were the ah um, right right because they had like drinks that were like medication you had to like yes. wait in line for your oh, medication fine. but it was like alcohol it was awesome fine. uh it was one of the coolest uh 
productions I've ever seen that was immersive for yeah. sure. Because uh, you felt like you were really in the hospital, and it was. It, I liked it. I loved it. Um, cool. Is that your is that your three? That's mine. That's my stuff. Siege. CJ. Uh, mine are literally because they're the only ones I've ever seen. Um, one <laughs> of them is Steel Magnolias. I watched oh, it yeah. on a special evening with one of my, one of, well, Scott knows them too. One of my good, good friends, Matt Valley. We had a lot of fun watching Steel Magnolias. And then the other two I watched in college, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, the Elizabeth mm. Taylor one. Mm. I don't know if there is another one. And then the other one was Desire Under the Elms. Mm. And I remember both of those specifically because Burl Ives was in both of them. Burl Ives is in both of those. Who I sense, <laughs> he's, he's a problematic person, right? Yeah, but I then mean, I, I don't also, know if he was. He's really? such a recognizable voice to me because he was the snowman narrator in the claymation Rudolph the Red-Nosed yes, Reindeer. Yes, so right, I grew right. up with a lot of Burl Ives. Yeah. So... And those are just the three I've seen. I want to say something about Steel Magnolias. I'm learning Magnolias a lot during this podcast. So. There's a there was a Steel Magnolias made for TV movie uh, in 2012 um, that my mom loves, uh, so I've seen it, and it is it was made for Lifetime. So there's like a little bit of an eye roll there, but you know Lifetime's doing some shit now. But they uh, let me read you the cast real quick. Just a few of them: Queen Latifah. Alfre huh. Woodard, who's oh. one of my favorite fucking actresses huh? on the planet. Felicia Rashad, who we've uh -huh. already talked about today. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Jill Scott. It is, it is an all-black female cast of Steel Magnolias. Oh, that's marvelous. And I've never heard of that. Quite good. Yeah, it is like hell weirdly, yeah, it is. Very you just good. Put those, you just put those women in a yeah, room and turn exactly. on the camera. Alfre Woodard, <laughs> like, Alfre Woodard might be one of our most like underrated actresses here, here. of all here, time. Here. I don't know why she hasn't been given a hundred different Oscar roles, but like, you know, someday she's great. She's in the Marvel cinematic universe two different times as two different characters. Mm -hmm. So that proves how amazing she is. She's uh, she's the woman in civil war who convinces uh, Downey jr. That it was bad that Sarkovia was dropped because her son was there. Yeah. And then she's also uh, the bad guy of, of the first two seasons of Luke cage. Oh. Yeah. That she's crazy? great in that and with, yeah. uh, along with uh, Mahershala Ali. That's right. But they like killed him. Well, sorry, spoiler alert. They killed him <laughs> off in like six episodes. And you're like, wait, he was one of the greatest villains ever on t a television series. And you killed him? You're an idiot. So there's that. Uh, mine are, uh, I only have two. Mine are, um, I, I am a massive, massive fan of the play War Horse. Oh, it's really fun to read and also I've I've seen videos of the uh puppeteering and apparently it's just like next level shit puppetry, okay? It's like 10 people making the horse, okay? But then Spielberg made a movie out of it and it is one of the worst movies of all time. We've said enough about Spielberg. <laughs> uh <laughs> the other one that I wanted to put out there is um You've Got Mail. Okay, I think which I is that which theaters. is a remake of a remake of a remake of a of remake a of a remake of a play. Yeah. So basically, it was um, the original play was this Turkish play called uh, La Perfumeur or something. It's like the perfumery. Yes, and I actually um, was meant to direct it at the theater, of the Palisades, and I it's something I like booked something else and couldn't do it and didn't get to direct it there. But I there was a time where I was like building a directing book for that show and it's the only reason I knew about it. 
but then it was made into a movie called uh, Shop Around the Corner. Yep. Uh, which is, of course, subsequently the name of Meg Ryan's shop in You've Got Mail, Shop Around the Corner. Uh, but then it was made into a musical called She Loves Me, mm-hmm. which has been done uh, on Broadway recently um, with the uh, Jenna from 30 Rock. I always forget her name. I'm such an asshole. God. Oh. Malone. Oh, you, you Maloney. Know Malone? Malone? You know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, she uh, she did it on Broadway, won a Tony for it, like all these great things. She Loves Me is really fun. Um, it has a great song in it, uh, 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 Vanilla. It's got a couple of great songs in it. Yeah, yeah, it's got a few good ones. Um, but uh, then you've got Mail, which is was sort of the Nora Ephron attempt to reconnect her, uh, her sparks that she created with uh, Sleepless in Seattle by getting Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks back together. So she pulls them back together and Ephron puts out You've Got Mail, um, which is very of its time, but also kind of still holds up. It's like a two-hour rom-com, which is I weird. I haven't but seen it in a long it's, time. It's, it's, it's good. cute. It's cute and fun. And I watched it recently because I'm listening to a podcast about Nora Ephron's filmography right now. Uh, so it's just sort of like... Uh, stuck in my mind, but I wanted to bring that up because that's an interesting one that doesn't really fit in our category, but kind of does because it's just so far removed from the original source material. Right. Um, okay. Uh, real quick, just to throw it out there, do you guys have any dream roles from this list? Like something you just have to play? Just one, just really quickly. Father Flynn. Yeah, mine too. That's mine too. Yeah, Miss, Mrs. Uh, Carol Burnett's role. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. I, I, I would love to direct you in that. Actually, we're going to make that happen. I'm going to direct Noises Off. We're going to get somebody to produce it, and we will get, uh, we'll let Scott play Lloyd, and okay. we'll let uh, CJ. Okay, done. I also uh, mind Elvira in Ooh, in yeah, Blythe. That'd be fun. I just like British comedies. That's uh, kind of fun. Let's do I a would love to. I would really love to direct an Amadeus at some point. Ooh. I don't think. Yeah. I would. Like I said, like, yeah, I'd like to play Salieri. I, uh, I just think it would be impossible to not sure. impossible just it'd be difficult to ta- i would love to do like a really funky like messed up weird production design kind of otherworldly kind of thing yeah, yeah. uh for sure i agree completely um do you guys have any uh you guys want to rate these i want to hear your like rating of all six like i you know based on i think the basis should be on and we can, can do I this do quickly. my top three? Yeah, yeah. Let's do top okay. three. And the basis should be on um, how how well you think the movie honors the play. It doesn't mean okay. how perfectly it was adapted. That's not the point. It's in terms of like, like they both are honoring each other in the right way. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, go ahead I'll and give go yours. First. Yeah, go. Uh, three is Doubt. Two is Fences, and one is Noises Off. Nice. I would do, in terms of the criteria that you just laid out. Yeah. I would do Fences, number three, Doubt, number two, and Amadeus, number one. Uh, That's my one. That's mine as well. That's my exact uh, list. I just think it's, I think that's exactly right. I think Doubt um, and Noises Off are excuse me i think noises off is like really uh it's doing a good job but i think fences does a better job and so does amadeus yeah 
person. Casablanca, um, Casablanca transcends just, its origin material, and Blight 100%. Spirit's kind of a wash. Kind of just yeah, it kind of does itself on screen, and it's great. Yeah, I think the play is better because it's just the stage magic and everything is really fun and Blythe Spirit and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but that's just me. Um, yeah. Cool. I would like... Oh. Ah. Oh. I dropped my... Okay. Oh. Oh. What? Stop. All right. What all are right. you... <laughs> Uh, do you guys have anything else you wanted to say about this? Because we have hit a point where, you know, the no, whiskey has flown. Um, I'm waiting for pizza to show up. Mouths or butts. <laughs> check, check out sacredfools.org, please. Yeah. We've oh, got, yeah. Any, uh, we've you guys got, have any spotlights? Um, we we should post some more L.A. theater stuff uh, yeah. on we'll our We'll put website. some in the show notes and in, uh, uh, on our Instagram as well. Go follow us on everything. Um, you got anything else, CJ? You want to throw down a final thought? You, you feel good? Be good to one another, y'all. Now's the time. More Be excellent to each other and party. Wear on. a oh, fucking actually, mask. Wear a actually, motherfucking mask. God Let's say that. Yeah. Let's say that out loud. Uh, that we, wear a <laughs> we mask. We just did. Uh, we did just have a. Uh, <laughs> on a serious note, though, guys, uh, we did just have um, a big part of the theater. Uh, community pass away his name was nick cordero um yeah, yeah a friend of a lot of our friends and uh had done shows with uh my partner rachel as well uh, he actually did little shop with her uh, in kansas city years ago um he's done a lot of plays uh with a lot of the sacred fools members and uh his his wife and one-year-old child are now left uh because of covid so yeah. i you know and I he was wearing a, a mask I met him twice, and he yeah. was a kind, wonderful person. Kind, incredible, talented so individual with good. a lot of drive uh, and a lot of amazing credits. And he was actually part of the Rock of Ages plant show that um, is going to that is supposed to be in LA right now, running twenty four seven pretty much. And uh, we have a lot of friends involved with, and uh, has been shut down because of COVID, obviously. But um, it, it's really sad, really terrible thing for the community and for his family and for everyone. So we send our love to the Cordero family and as well as to everyone who knew him, you know, sorry to save this till the end when we're drunk and we're, you know, finishing up the thing. But I, I just wanted to throw that out there cause it's, uh, it's affecting us all in different ways. And, um, uh, we love you guys and we appreciate we love you listening. Y'all. Take care but of yourselves. Be smart. Mask. Uh, shout out to our, uh, uh, incredible, uh, Pamela Everhart for writing the the song this week, yes. and uh, Ryan Thomas Johnson, Brian Thomas for, Johnson for writing our theme that we love so very much. Um, we'll be back next week to discuss. Uh, oh, well, actually, next, we're gonna, to- next, next time. Episode. That's right. We're yes. going to be doing Chekhov. We're getting check into off. it. We're, Here we got to we got go, to check him off. Get it the list um, yes, because we had just too many things. <laughs> so. Um, Follow us on all the things. We love you so much. And as always, um, drunk as butt. Drunk as, drunk butt. as butt. Butts and mouths are the same thing. No, Good not. night, everybody. Hi, Mom. They're not. Good night. Love you guys. Movies that we love that came from plays, from plays. Doors are closing, sets are flipped, backstage is a maze. Lovers trading lovers. Pregnant cop, it's crazed, depraved Directors getting angry
tries in one minutes, two minutes, three minutes, one minutes, two minutes, two minutes, one minute, two minutes.